Do you think it's safe to ask them? Hear me. All you hosts gathered here. Kill everyone now. Condone first degree murder. Advocate cannibalism. Eat shit. Well, I think we're about ready. Quiet, everyone. Filth are my politics. Filth is my life. From the whispers of the damned, deep within the bowels of hell, welcome to Astro Radio Z.
Let's just make sure this is says it's live. You never know if it's really live, though, Mark. Oh, we're live. Yeah. Why? Because look at that illumination, huh? <laughs> huh? I don't know what uh, you're trying to do here. What do you? I, what? I, don't, I don't know. I just I have I have I have a new toy. So what is this? What is this toy that you're speaking of here? It's like 15 bucks from Walmart. It's one of those. Uh, it's a 10 inch um, circle light. Yes. LED circle light. So. Um, so I got one, uh, to test out. It was only 15 bucks. It's like, it shows you that's how popular streaming and content creators and all that shit is now, because these things were a lot more expensive, these type of things. And now you can get them for like 15 bucks. Well, they're just little tiny LEDs. That's all they are. It's just a circle, but it's nice. I mean, it, it helps, you know, I mean, it's a nice soft light. So. I'm well, now you need out, to. So. What you need to get are some background lights because what it looks like, at least what I'm seeing right now, Mark, looks like you have a spotlight in an interrogation on you right now. <laughs> I don't. I don't know I if can, you can see can yourself there. Light. I can put other lights on. I can see myself. Yeah, it does look like an interrogation. I can put my other lights on. <laughs> Just a second. I could go put the other. All right. Lights on. We 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 could we could take the time, Mark. It it really does, folks. It looks like he's being interrogated. Let's uh, let's change this up a little bit. Okay, there, there. Now yeah. it's not so much of an interrogation. So, well, good go. to see you. Um, <laughs> good to see here. you. I'm trying to situate myself here. I'm looking at the wrong screen. I want to be able to to see you now that you're you have nah, all you these sexy lights me. all on you. Yeah, I do. <laughs> this month we decided to pick our own goddamn movie. fuck this voted shit i know you we put this movie up for a vote um alongside a bunch of others and i don't even remember what those other movies were do you remember at this point what those movies uh, were mark it's it's been such a long time ago in a galaxy far far away i do not know this movie was put up to a vote with tracks do you even know what the fuck tracks is i heard the name i don't remember offhand but i have no fucking clue what that is and what a what a shocker this is to everyone here in the room in the on the live stream but vaughn decided to put a troll gimmick up there for a vote big shocker (laughs) what no yeah i spit on your grave deja vu did you know this was even in the running mark oh wow no i did not i did not well in the running Needless to say, people used their brains this time and didn't vote for that horrible piece of shit. Did you ever watch that? I I have not. I am a. I have watched many a uh, Jamie uh, Bernadette's uh, films, but I have not watched that one actually. Just because, um, I don't know why. I just it just never. I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, it was one of those that did not quite interest me. Though I was wondering how they were going to handle it, but at the same time, I was like. I have other things to watch. It's not exactly uh, stuff that I voluntarily watch like that anymore. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. well, you've made a, a wise decision with your time, Mark. <laughs> yeah, because as I spit on your grave, Deja Vu is perhaps one of the worst movies of the last decade by wow. far. Oh, wow, that's that's harsh. It is horrendously, terribly acted, misguided piece of shit. Do not ever watch that gimmick. And Vaughn, if you put that up for a vote again, I am just going to banhammer it. I'm just going to say no. 
we will not discuss I Spit on Your Grave Deja Vu. That is a movie. You watched it once and that was enough, huh? I watched 30 minutes of it. Oh, wow. I watched, that's all. I watched 30 minutes of it and deemed it not worth a single second of my time. Mind you, this is coming from an individual that just got done watching all two hours of Diamond Cobra versus the White Fox. Oh, you know, you know, life decisions that I make sometimes, you know, well, I, 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 I'm like all this hype about other films. And then there's this gem of a diamond cobra gem? <laughs> versus the white fox because gem because it's a diamond not because you know uppity up up uppity up um oh yeah i watched God, the whole thing i watched the whole you, thing you do realize that this podcast that we run worst movies ever amy and i yes. on the patreon is kind of like a public service to all of you out there. It oh. isn't like us actively recommending movies to you. I, you guys I are like thought. giving us these real shit oh. nuggets, and we're supposed to try and watch them and find the good stuff. Yet the only things you got you want to watch, Mark, are the ones we hate. I, I, yeah. Oh, I thought I it was a recommended it. list. I don't know. I don't get it either. You know what? I'm I'm broken as, as, uh, in that way. I don't. Uh, the, the more the films are hyped, the more I hold off watching it. I, I I watch films like from your worst movies ever list before I watch the really hyped films, and I don't know why, but I just you know, uh, like it took me forever to see the uh, promising young woman film, mm-hmm. uh, and. It, it's a solid film, but a lot of people were mentioning how they were blown away by it and the best movie. And, and I thought it was good, but I wasn't like, whoa, you know, so I'm trying to figure out what I missed and where I am broken in that respect. It's a, a solid film. Don't get me wrong. Great acted. I did kind of get some predictability out of it, which surprised some people. I'm like, I had a gut feeling some things were going to go the way they were, and they did. In not a bad way, it just it just happened uh, because I've watched a lot of similar films. But mm-hmm. for me, I was like, this is a really good film, but I'm not blown away. But I was like that with La La Land, like in the YouTube review averse, everybody was just praising that film and, and mad props to them. But for me, I watched it and I'm like, it was all right. I kept thinking of how small Ryan Gosling's ears were, but... <laughs> I guess I've never sat in and tried to take into account the ear size relative to his head size. I, I've never I, sat I and watched why. him like that. It was the now I'm going to have to in in the future. Whenever I'm watching a, a movie with Ryan Gosling in it, I'm going to have to estimate the ear size if, if it's proportionate <laughs> to the rest of his head. <laughs> I don't like you said. I don't know. Maybe it was, uh, you know, the fact that. You know, you had him, his character, explaining jazz to uh, who is a, a character played by Wynton Marcellus. So, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, you, you know, El, La La Land is a good film, but there were a lot of people, and mad props to him. I don't hold anything against people who really love the films. I always feel like, what did I miss then? Because I'm not, ex- you know, as blown away as many of these other reviewers are for these films. And I'm like, it's a good film, but I'm not blown away by it. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I watch so much. Sure. And I don't watch as much as our good friends out there, like Scotty D and a few others out there. I, I 
still because I'm working on other things, but I do still have watched a lot of film in my time. And maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe it's because I look at films that were before 1995 or whatever, you know? So I see a lot of similarities in some of these films that other people may not. Not saying I'm better or worse. In fact, I'll probably say I'm worse, but it's just the hype films. It takes me a long time to see them. Once I see them, I usually go, yeah, they're good. Like Train to Busan, great film. I sat down with Honorable Son Number 1 and watched it. Didn't watch it till months after the hype kind of died down from it. And people, I didn't quite see it pop up so much in the Twitter feed and the news feed and, and all the feeds, you know, people going, oh, my God, you know, after mm-hmm. that died down, then I watched it. And he and I thought it was a really sell. It was a great film. He loved it. And I enjoyed yeah. it, too. You know, and I could I agree with the people that that hyped it up. But when the hype is usually at its peak is when I won't watch a film, which probably makes me not the best modern. Well, some people would say film critic. I never thought of myself as one. But in any case, you know, I just hype films like that. I wait, whereas I'm drawn to films. This is where I was going to my long ramble. I apologize (laughs) to to your worst movies ever list, because I don't know. I'm glutton for punishment or it's just one of those things where I'm curious, morbid curiosity. It it is, it is that morbid curiosity to where I have not heard this film before until you bring it up on your podcast, your wonderful podcast, go check it out on the Patreon. If you haven't subscribed, shame on you people. But yeah, uh, it's just your, I I'm curious because I'd rather seek out and watch a film that very few people look at or talk about, even if it's horrible, more so than the hype film, because sometimes you can be surprised. Sometimes it's painful, but like, like the one mentioned (laughs) diamond Cobra. Oh, wow. Um, I never thought in my life. I was like, wow, this is a film where Neil Breen would be just going, oof. You know? It's on a similar level, though. It, it, it really is. is because it's made by a, a delusional auteur. It's it's made by somebody that really finds themselves to be like a renaissance artist where mm-hmm. it's just like they're they're a jack of all trades, but a master of none of them. And mm-hmm. uh, they they feel they have a vision and, a, and something to say. And they're unfortunately or fortunately for them, but unfortunately for everyone else, there's zero filter. There's nobody yeah. saying no, and uh, we have to. We get these movies, and yeah. the thing is about this. I, I, this is a question I have for you because I know my film viewing habits have changed. I have not had the urge to sit and keep up on new stuff anymore. I <laughs> most of the most of my um, media consumption has been either based around the podcasts. The Worst Movies Ever podcast is is entirely curated by my Patreon subscribers. I have nothing to do with it other than just going, I'm going to watch this one, or I'm going to watch this one. So a lot of what I consume is no longer up to me. So it's been very strange over the course of the last six to seven months where my outside, like me just choosing something to watch for my own pleasure, um, where that's kind of like gone away, maybe because I'm just so busy with all these, uh, like the, the podcasts and then life. And I have just like not kept up on movies 
whatsoever. So like the the ones you had referenced, I've never seen either of those two movies. Uh, most of the stuff I watch is low rent trash now, like legitimately low rent low trash. Rent That's trash. like all I watch. And um, mm-hmm. there's been a few newer movies that I've watched this year, but I think usually I keep on Letterbox a list of new movies every year mm-hmm. i make a list this year the movies that i've watched made in this year yeah just so yeah, i have a doing... reference mm-hmm. and i can here. go back I to that. it i do that too i i have the same thing with my letter boxes i mm-hmm. have one that for films that were released this year that i watch and then i also have another list of just films i've watched this year in general so it's it's two lists for me just because i have such a guppy memory sometimes <laughs> i need to go back and and look and make did i watch this already uh yeah i can't do that 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 seems like too much like i would get lost in the sea of whatever that is oh yeah by the end of the most years i watch upwards of 300 films or something like that Mm -hmm. this year i have a feeling it's going to be considerably less i think up to this point i've only watched like seven um which is way low for what i Mm. usually do but we've been so busy i haven't gotten around to it so um this year like i said seven movies and they've been primarily all things that I've just decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch this. So I, I guess uh, where I was going with all of it was that um, there's a lot of these movies that like you were t- talking about, like Promising Young Woman and, and things that are hype movies that completely fall between the cracks for me. And mm-hmm. I just don't tend to seek them out anymore. So yeah. the movie that we're watching tonight blood quantum was one of those movies last year i mean it was one of, it was a fairly well publicized uh, at least on mm-hmm. shutter and in the horror groups zombie film now i know we've said this numerous times in the past we're done with zombie movies we've <laughs> You're all never gonna moved, be done with we've moved movies. on from zombie movies do we really want to watch zombie movies anymore we've seen a million and a half of them they're all legitimately the same goddamn gimmick over and over again so Please forgive me for not catching Blood Quantum right away last year <laughs> or this year, but I heard enough good things about this that I legitimately wanted to to check it out. Like mm-hmm. similar to Train to Basan, which you had referred to that you and your son had watched. That was another movie. I, I It took me nearly two years after it came out to finally mm-hmm. watch that movie because I'm just I'm so done with zombie movies i just can't find the urge to want to watch them anymore maybe because every time i do i am just like well this is just the same thing (laughs) i'm not really like it doesn't really catch me unless it has a really good you know humanistic side to it like there's some Mm -hmm. point to the movie and uh i don't know if train to basan necessarily had any social commentary behind it other than just the basic zombie like it's just like a long chase movie well but it was engrossing it was it was engrossing and i think possibly the meaning or subtext that you usually get in zombie films may land more within the korean culture more so than the western culture and that's what i like this and, and the film we're talking about tonight blood quantum is I don't mind a zombie film if you give me something, 
even slightly different spin on it. Even not right. a, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be much because we've seen so much of the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Give it to me from a different perspective, from a different, you know, a view, you know, uh, something like that. That will catch me with a zombie film more so than the cookie cutter stuff, which is kind of why, no offense to anyone, uh, with The Walking Dead, I just... I stopped watching it and did not feel compelled to watch much of it after uh, I've got like two or three seasons to catch up, but I did not feel compelled to watch it after a certain point because it was still a lot of the same stuff I've seen out of the zombie films. It's a rinse and repeat kind of thing. It's just the same. They, they get attacked. They, someone dies. They have to move on to the next place. They stay there. Drama happens. They get attacked. Someone dies. They move on to the next place. That's that's the entire show. It just keeps happening, keeps going on. And, and that's the uh, that's the problem I had with the show was the rinse, wash, repeat. You know, it, it was like okay. Here we go again. Only this time, you know, the the, the humans get more and more assholeish. It, it's yeah, just like right. more extreme asshole, but the same situation. And, you know, things get more brutal. And, of course, I know there was the war and all the factions and everything. And and I get that. But even that, you know, is like, okay, I've kind of seen this. And the characters, a lot of them, I only could get behind one or two characters. And when you have a show of that many and you don't get that character that often, you're like, ah, you know, I, I mean... It was okay, except for the fact that everybody mowed their lawn. It's good to know that during the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> during the zombie apocalypse, your grass only grows a certain length, and it'll be fine for your yard. So the the home priorities, Mark priorities. Homeowners Association has nothing to worry about with zombie apocalypse. <laughs> the grass will only be a certain, but <laughs> you know. You know, there's some spinoffs. I watched a few episodes. They kind of had me interested. I got more into World War Z than I did, uh, uh, not World War Z, uh, uh, um, Z Nation. I got more into Z Nation than I ever did with The Walking Dead. Sure. Uh, What's goofier? Well, it's goofier. I did, you know, that's kind of more what I wanted from a, a zombie. I liked the goofiness because they just went to places that you just did. You're like, wow, okay. You know, they were killed. They'd kill people you never expected. You thought this person was going to be in for the long haul. They made it maybe an episode and a half. And you're just yeah. like, oh, you know, I liked those surprising moments. Whereas The Walking Dead really didn't have a whole lot of that. And maybe it's because I read that a lot of the, well, the first like 60 issues of the comic and the comic was so good that I wanted to see that come to life. And when they started making major changes to characters or to the story for whatever reason, because they didn't want to go that dark or whatever, mm-hmm. it kind of, I think, took me out because I'm like, you had great source material and you went here. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. Right. Well, it it, it kind of gets lazy after a while, right? We've we've seen it so much, and I mean, obviously, we're we're at a get off our lawn moment here, you and I. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, well, I, well, I mean, we've been around the genre enough and watched enough of it that it's just kind of like we've been here, dudes. What new do you have for us? So right. when uh, somebody propositions me with watching a newer zombie movie. 
um, it takes a lot for me to even mildly get interested right. in it. So something like Blood Quantum, which from what I had heard had very wildly mixed reviews amongst like my friend sources and the people that I follow on social media. It varied from, wow, this is just like a, a modern classic to, oh man, that's that's kind of poopy. And when I hear that and then I hear it's a zombie movie, I just kind of immediately tune out and just go, well, I, I that's not something I really need to like rush out to see. And I know I've said this in the past. Most movies on Shudder, most Shudder horror now, because we used to have Walmart horror. We used to have Redbox horror. Now we used to have family video middle shelf horror. Now we have Shudder horror. So Shudder is kind of like the avenue now for these kind of mid-tier independent horror movies to find a home. Right. And... I have not been the biggest fan of any of them. There have been a mm-hmm. few that have found a home on Shutter that I've really liked, like Knife and Heart mm-hmm. or Knife Plus Heart or however you want to say that, which was a wonderful kind of like neon noir, a giallo, like neo giallo, really wonderful film. If you haven't seen that, go check that out for sure. But the vast majority of it just doesn't do anything for me, especially the stuff that gets super hyped. I guess the whole point of this whole preamble is just like hype movies just don't do anything for me and i just don't mm-hmm. tend to gravitate towards them at all like you remember the movie of the year last year host <laughs> did you ever yeah. see that i i did not actually see it my son said it was good he enjoyed oh. it that that was that was the zoom meeting horror one right oh my dear fucking god so the Zoom, right? The good, Zoom media yep, horror one. That's yeah. that's it. My good friend Brian Martinez, he runs the Film Deviant podcast, had me on for an episode and had me watch this gimmick. And it's you've seen it. Unfriended. It's already been out there. So people calling it the most original thing they ever saw in the movie of the year. Get fucked. That movie sucked. It sucked so hard. So it, it's really hard to talk me into these gimmicks and Blood Quantum was just something eventually I was just like, you know what? A movie made by a native director speaking towards the native American experience, even though, you know, this is a Canadian film, still North America. So I thought, okay, maybe something interesting can happen here. Um, So why not give it a shot? Because every once in a while I get sucked in and sure, let's check out this new horror movie. Old crotchety man, Derek. Will he like a new horror movie? Is it in the cards? Is it even possible he can like a new horror movie? Well, it's not an easy answer. It's not an easy answer, folks, as you're going to hear tonight as we sit and uh, talk about Blood Quantum. Mark, seems how you were the expert of synopsis here on uh, the podcast. Can you please tell my listeners what is the plot of 2019's Blood Quantum, directed by Jeff Barnaby. Uh, The names uh, may be a little tough to keep uh, in order here, so I apologize. But in any case, we have a community that is separated. You have on one side of the river, you have the reservation where the indigenous people live and have, you know, their town over on one side of the river. And then you have who they call the townies, who are uh, mostly... uh, 
everyone not an indigenous person living on the other side of the bridge in town. And it's a community that uh, lives together. They coexist. It's not like completely uh, segregated, but still, for the most part, that's how it is. And we're introduced to a sheriff who he's divorced. He's got a kid who gets in trouble, two kids, actually, who gets in trouble. And he runs into normal small town stuff. Well, things start to happen fairly quickly. Namely, his father, who's a fisherman, gets a bunch of salmon, cleans it, and then the salmon starts jumping after it's been gutted. And he's like, whoa, okay. So he shows his son, who's the sheriff, this. And the sheriff's like, oh, and he's got a dog that he had to kill in in his trunk of his uh, car. The dog's alive. Well, now these dead critters are starting to come alive. And now you hear over the radio, people are reporting more and more bites happening. Uh, We get a story where his kid uh, is in the jail cell with this guy who starts puking blood. He turns. Yeah, there's a zombie outbreak going on basically in this small town. And where you think we're going with this to where, okay, we're going to see how they get band together and everything. No, we get to the point where we're introduced and they, they cement this concept that there's more people getting bitten and crazy things start to happen. You go six months later and the shit has gone like Mad Max. I mean, the indigenous folks, we come to find out are immune they're the only ones that appear to be immune from the infection everybody else gets infected and turns zombies and so the indigenous uh, folks have created their own walled off community where they only let certain people in now the sheriff's son has a a a white uh, girlfriend who's pregnant and these two are actually pulling in non-infected people into the indigenous society that they've built around in this walled area. And of course, there's clashes between some who don't want these folks here because they're going to get infected, go crazy and start killing people. And then there's others who say, hey, they're humans. And shenanigans ensue. Uh, the one brother who's always a, a, a screw up makes a bit of a mistake and yeah, uh, there's another outbreak within the you know community, and we see how the lasting surviving indigenous folks have to try to make it out of the land and survive this outbreak that they were doing well for a while, but of course, you know, these things never go according to plan. <laughs> right. So it, it's not necessarily a story, if you, if you look at it superficially, that you haven't seen before. It's it's your basic no. survivalist zombie story. Where mm-hmm. it gets interesting is when you think of the socio-political undertones that go yes. on in this mm-hmm. movie. If you were to sit and superficially look at this movie, yes, it's a very stylish, somber, hyper gory, surprisingly mm-hmm. extremely gory zombie film. Now, if you're you're looking for just getting your zombie kicks in a post-apocalyptic world type gimmick, you're going to find it here. Oh yeah. The thing about that is, and I, I let's get this out of the way before we even start to talk about what's interesting about this movie. If you're going into this just for superficial exploitation zombie kicks, I would say a good. Two-thirds of this movie has nothing to do with zombies. Yep. So you you may have some issues with its very languid pace 
and with the fact that the first 30 minutes or so of this movie is a story you've seen a million and a half times. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a community where all of a sudden things start coming back to life. And then, of course, there's this society going to crumbles where everybody's trying to figure out well, what's going on. People are eating each other, blah, blah. You've seen this a million and a half times. You've even seen it twice with George Romero. You remember that shitty fucking Diary of the Dead that he made where he we had to watch <laughs> this exact thing happened but through the lens of some fucking college frat boy d-bag oh god that movie sucks so bad but anyways the first 30 minutes of this movie is a story you've seen before the difference is is that this is through the native lens there this Mm -hmm. is not a movie that necessarily tries to kind of white gaze where white people are at the the forefront. They're the heroes. Mm-hmm. They're the people that you got to try and, you know, side with. This is a very inherently native film, not just from the people that have made it. All of the people that are in front of the lens for the most part are until shit hits the fan. And we go to the six months later gimmick and the idea of the blood quantum truly comes into factor and this was a a, this was a conflicting movie for me i i think and this this just comes from a personal perspective i've always had an awareness of uh the native culture here in in wisconsin when i when i first found out i had native blood i was i want to say probably six seven years old five six seven years old now Mm -hmm. i i i don't have enough to want to even speak towards what tribe my blood comes from or the percentage I have, it's inconsequential. But the culture has always kind of been in the back of my mind. I've been around it. I've been to uh, tribal dances. I've I've seen things. And um, I've also grown up in areas where people live on Resland or on Resland. My family had uh, a cabin up in the north woods that directly is on reservation land and seeing and i don't want to speak too far as i as i feel uh the my overall lineage is caucasian so mm-hmm. to try and act like i have any sort of in-depth knowledge or perception as to or anything that i can speak towards accurately about what that life is like um, I just want to make that make that known. I, I, I just from the perception of where I've been, the overall feeling of sadness and anger uh, that sometimes comes with uh, life on reservations here in America um, can be felt very directly through the vast majority of this film compared to a lot of other films that you may see come from a very specific ethnicity. The fact that this movie was made by a Native American and the vast majority of those involved were Native gives this movie a perspective and a feeling that other movies more than likely would not. And to go into this thinking you're just going to be watching a very straight-laced zombie movie does a great disservice to the film itself because the idea of a blood quantum is it pertains to the laws that were set upon uh, the native people, uh, which 
would quantify the amount of native blood that they have to be able to be considered native within specific tribes and how that relates to uh, reparations from the government and being able to be a part of uh, reservations. And this movie in particular, once it gets into the meat of it, which is the six month later section where we find out the Native Americans are immune and all of the white people are the zombies and they've taken in white people into their ranks, into the city, this hold off kind of like castle that they've made is a very interesting concept. It, it speaks towards this idea of blood quantum and how eventually Native Americans from a government perspective are eventually going to breed themselves out because of white people coming in and becoming parts mm-hmm. of their lives. And that what is the responsibility of the government to even continue with reparations after this percentage of, of their indigenous blood is gone. Mm-hmm. So this movie really speaks to like who is really, really all it's like the thing, right? Where mm-hmm. nobody knows how much of a native person, the other person is, are they full? Are they not? They all get angry at the white people that infiltrate their ranks. There's so much dense sociopolitical undertones to what is going on in this movie that it surpasses for me the vast majority of the cookie cutter zombie films that mm-hmm. are out there. I it, it left me with a very heavy heart. It was to me. I don't watch a lot of movies like this anymore. I, I yeah. one I I do think other than obviously we had just spoken to the fact that you know zombie movies just aren't something that I seek out whatsoever. I think. Mm-hmm super heavy horror films are also things I don't actively seek out either. Not because I just can't stomach them anymore. I mean, to a certain extent that might be the case, but also I don't like that feeling of uh, depression. I don't, I don't actively watch dramas that are supremely depressing. I don't, I don't seek that stuff out. And this movie, if you have any sort of like empathy or heart, man, my heart felt ripped straight out of my chest by the end of this movie. And it, it, it was because of the under the undertone and subtext of this film and thinking of it in relation to the zombie trope that they were using and what they were trying mm-hmm. to say about colonialism and what they were trying to say about ethnic um, identity and the importance of either of those things. It was hard. This was a tough film for me on on a lot of levels at the end of the day if we're just going to give general overall thoughts mark and uh i know i went on a really long rambly monologue there uh, but this movie really this movie really got to me it it -hmm. it did i i liked this movie more than i expected to it's a it's a beautiful movie uh on a superficial level for from the cinematography and craft standpoint but from a subtextual level with someone trying to actually communicate something. Wow. Powerful, powerful, powerful movie. Mark, what did you think of this? And, and did the subtext at all ring into your experience of this movie? Or did you just kind of take it as uh, a horror film 
and how what was your enjoyment based on those factors oh no it's a very powerful film uh my my son's cousin is a native american uh my my wife uh her brother at one time was married to uh someone oh and he's from there she's from black river falls so they live right next to a reservation i mean the reservation is there it's it's kind of has a similar community to what we see in blood quantum you know it, it the feel of it kind of uh in that respects and that uh you know you have this uh, uh two different cultures living coexisting right next to each other uh and, and you know uh crossing back and forth and that so for me the town and the setting it felt very real and so you're watching a film like this and previous zombie film experience or even horror film experience you're like oh they're gonna go here with the the native american angle the racial tension angle oh they're gonna go here but they they don't go the normal trope the it's not obvious yeah it's it's not the portrayal is not obvious it's not what's what's interesting is they're using the zombie film exactly the way people should use zombie films. And the, the, the main point of it that George Romero started is the socio political, social commentary. You use the subtext that's there, you know, more so than just, Oh, look, zombies. Uh, usually if you write a good story, there's a lot of meeting that's being represented by the zombies. And in here, you get the idea, yes, there is racial tension between these two communities, but that's not at the forefront. We don't get anything blatant. We don't get any blatant, like, in-your-face, over-your-head, bang, racism, at least at the first part where we're being introduced to all these characters. You can tell it's underneath the surface for some characters. Like, you get the one scene where uh, they're going to go bail out the son from the cop, and the mom is there and she's the nurse and she's talking to the guy behind the counter, the officer saying, hey, I need the paperwork. He totally ignores her. Then you have uh, the sheriff come up and say, hey, I want to get my kid. Then he gets up and acknowledges the guy and doesn't even acknowledge her. For You know, I mean, so there there is some statements here without fully slapping you in the face. And it's there. And that's what I liked about this. It, it's honest. It felt like realistic portrayal. Nothing felt like a caricature. And at the same time, you could tell the people making this were not just making a statement about indigenous culture versus the, you know, the colonial culture. They were also making statements about people within their own culture. Mm-hmm, they were kind definitely. of putting a, uh, putting a mirror up to it. You get a movie with the subtext in that, but... I never felt like it got preachy, like some films that try to do this can do to where you're just going to lose a good chunk of people. You know, there's some people that are going to watch this that aren't going to even be realize what's being addressed here. Well, I think that's what you have with a movie like this with a zombie presence. There is inherent level of superficiality to it Mm -hmm. that allows for people to have multiple readings of the material. Yeah, because, I mean, you've got you've got a statement, you know, in here with the relation between the characters, because. The two brothers are actually, if I picked up on it, and they don't address it specifically, but it's through dialogue. They're actually half brothers 
Mm-hmm. Right, I, correct. So, you know, they're half-brothers. So the sheriff uh, has kids from uh, two different uh, uh, mothers. So they have this in here, but it's not addressed. But that's still, that causes a conflict between them because the one brother is the wild one. And as he puts it at one point, he calls himself even the asshole. And you have the other guy who's been raised by his mom, you get the idea more so than the dad, who's trying, who's the more sympathetic one. He's the one that's also got the white girlfriend who he got pregnant. Um, And so you could feel like there's statements and a voice being told in here from a perspective that's honest and not being caricature. You know, it's like the, the filmmakers here want to address issues or topics that have come up among their community and portray it realistically, but also give it a, a serious voice and go, hey, you know, here's the mirror. And also, you know, uh, on colonialism as well and some of this, you know, the portrayals of them. But it's more with the uh, Native American actors. You stay with this community. You know, the, the townies, as they put them, are kind of a, a side character. You don't really focus on them much. None of them, other than at, one at dad character, yeah. none of them get screen time yep. whatsoever. Other Okay, so there is one actual Caucasian actor that gets uh, ample amount of screen time, and that is one of the son's girl, pregnant girlfriend. Yeah, uh, Charlie, played by uh, mm-hmm. Olivia Shriven, mm-hmm. and she is a wonderful actress, but she is also a metaphor for you know the the mm-hmm. breeding out of the indigenous blood. Right, and she mm-hmm. gets teased about it. The beginning of the film, there is a sequence when she is starting to go down, where Trailer, who is our you know, hero for the most part, the the sheriff of this movie goes to this house where this native man is known around the community for being a, a druggie and goes to his house. And he is also shacking up with a white person. And he has kind of been ousted from the reservation due to this fact. And right. he no longer is like welcome in there. And I think that's why he's gone down a downward spiral of alcoholism and drug abuse. And they are having issues, major issues. And he called the police because his his girlfriend, who just recently had a baby, is acting very irregular to the fact that they show up. And spoilers, folks, if you don't want this movie spoiled, please drop the podcast, put it down and come on back to it because there's it's really hard just to talk about a lot of the stuff that's that's in this movie without kind of going into some spoiler action right uh with with it i mean it's a on a, on a superficial level it's a zombie movie so you kind of know what's going down with it but when you break down some of the various aspects of it you got to kind of spoil a little bit of it and um in this particular q boarding house you know spoiler music this is a warning thank you our sheriff goes into this house and this lady is legitimately devouring an infant. One of probably the most extreme cannibal corpse moments I've ever seen in a movie (laughs) ever. Like if you've seen, there's a brand new cannibal corpse album called violence unimagined. And it's got this cover of this naked lady with, with teeth almost looks like Melina from uh, mortal Kombat, Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
she's eating this infant and tearing it apart with her teeth. This scene looks almost just like that. And I was yeah. like, what the fuck? So, so like anytime you see other than Charlie, you see a Caucasian person in this movie. They are not portrayed in a very good light. And yeah. a, a good portion of the movie in one of the brothers, Lysol, basically speaks towards the racial hatred towards mm-hmm. the white man and what they've done. Um, the rest of the characters are, are far more uh, welcoming and are are looking to just survive and work with people. But the Lysol character is kind of really directly hitting, you know, nails on the head about the racial undertones of what's going on in in this story. So this was a tough one. I got to be honest with you. Like In certain ways, I really loved a lot of what was going on. I thought, you know, those undertones were so well written and utilized using the metaphor of the zombie film. And where this film falls short for me is that it's a zombie film. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate to me that this had to be a zombie movie. I get it. It's an obvious metaphor for for what white people did to the natives, bringing in diseases, taking their culture, Mm -hmm. suppressing them to a point where they have to live in little tiny communities while... The rest of the world is completely just white people. It's a yes. some of the metaphors are on the head, but makes it takes some of the impact of the story away when your brain kind of turns off after a bit because it's just another zombie movie that you've seen kind of a million times, right? Did you have any problems with this, Mark? Watching this thing? No, I didn't. Uh, I. It's one of those it's one of those times where I'm watching and basically an independent horror zombie horror film where I actually wanted more of the human moments and dialogue more so than the zombie moments because those were the parts that I were I was really enjoying the conversations and and what was being conveyed in the dialogue it it felt natural I was in, into these characters i enjoyed all of them you know even you know from lysol on down i enjoyed watching them on screen watching them interact more so than the zombie part it was like mm-hmm. you know the zombie part was almost brought in to try to kind of break that up the dramatic part up you could easily you could have still possibly done it as a zombie film and not done as much of the extreme gore and zombie parts to it. You could have easily turned this into, you know, the zombies are kind of second, you know, nature to what was being conveyed and still get, get things across. Uh, I didn't mind it. I, I think it is interesting that when you throw so much of the zombie gore in there, I think sometimes it breaks up maybe some of the message and the weight that they're trying to bring. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Yes. Someone eating a baby. Yes. It's heavy. It's, it's dark, but at the same time, 
it's so shocking. It kind of takes you out of the what was just being addressed through dialogue and whatnot five minutes beforehand, you know, in a scene five minutes beforehand. So it took me out a little bit. And I actually like the dramatic parts between the people more so mm-hmm. than the than the zombie parts. Though I enjoyed the homages because if you're a zombie fan of Romero and especially it, Romero influences throughout this film from oh, from time. help on the sea the, the roof of the the mall uh, to the way some of the people get killed uh, by zombies are is very like thinking day and dawn of the dead in many ways um, you know and those were great but I was actually digging the people in the character part you know I. It, it, it would have almost been interesting to see them taking a slightly different approach to where it was still an infection, but instead of zombies, people just violently died. <laughs> you know, uh, but I—that's with a caveat, though, because what it was interesting with this zombie film is, with other zombie films, usually if you get a a person or a group of people who are immune, they're like freaking superheroes. Okay, they they just rush into the zombie horde or whatever, and they just annihilate zombies and hardly get killed. Or if they do, oh, well, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of put to another level. And in here, what I liked about the fact was, yes, uh, the Native Americans were immune, but there was still a threat. Oh, very much so. The zombies, because these aren't shambling zombies. These are violent 28 day later zombies that will violently destroy a body (laughs) as much as eat it. So the threat was still there. And I liked that because it still kept the film like that feeling of, of danger, you know, because I got worried at first going, Oh, okay. They're immune, which is what I kind of thought where they were going with it. Cause I went into this cold really didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Um, I didn't know where they were going to go with it because all of our characters by, by that first break, they all got bit. (laughs) So I'm like, got, where the fuck is this going? They got bit. And I'm like, okay, this could go one or two ways. And I'm like, I wonder if they're going to play the angle that uh, they're going to be immune. And they did. And I was happy for that, that, that. I was like, oh, okay. The Native Americans, I bet. Just when it went six months later, I'm like, oh, I bet the Native Americans are immune. And sure as shit, they're immune. Uh, which I was happy they went to that spot because i i was just getting attached to these characters and the awful and make them zombies like five minutes later would have been disappointing it would have been very Um, disappointing all of the actors if you want to like have what's the strongest element of this movie besides that cinematography the acting the acting in this movie is phenomenal i loved all of these actors michael gray eyes the sheriff wow What a presence. Stone Horse Lone uh, Goman, who is the grandpa. Oh, God. I love the grandpa. He is almost like a Kurosawa samurai in this movie. He is. He is totally a Kurosawa samurai. I loved every minute he was on screen. And and his attitude and everything about him. It was was a great character. These were great Mm -hmm. characters with great performances, backed by, you're right, some wonderful cinematography. Oh, the, the 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 camera angles and things that they did in this film just added so much to it. And the yeah, soundtrack the- as well. I think a lot of this movie is is weighted upon that beautiful soundtrack, the beautiful cinematography, and the acting. 
it yeah. just pulls you so far in that it it transcended normal zombie shit that you know yeah the gore is extreme and it's in your face and it's gooey so if you're in it for that you're gonna fucking love this shit but what got me like you was the drama elements and the only way for that stuff to work is to create atmosphere and have solid acting and this movie had it in spades, man. Man, you didn't want any of the same same with Train to Basan, which is why I loved that movie so much. You get sucked in to those characters. They are worth rooting for. They are worth paying attention to. They are real people with real problems that are complex and not one note. Even Lysol, who mm-hmm. ostensibly is the is the heel of this movie he is the angry teen that just wants to see the normality of the tribe dissolved he's mm-hmm. he's tired of being sectioned off in life and he's tired of seeing his people systematically whittled away and he's just like you know what i'm done with it all let's destroy it let's light on fire let's start a new world while the old guard it's just like, be patient, young one. Come on, we can, we can, we can survive this. We can do this. And he is just—he is the fucking firecracker, the the dynamite stick that just wants it. Even him, who for a good percentage of this movie is just pure anger, he has a lot of subtlety to him as well. There's a lot going on with all of these actors, which is surprising in a movie like this. Like I didn't expect it to be as nuanced as it was. Yeah, it, and I it it was a pleasant surprise because again, zombie film, you think you're going to hit these tropes and these one note characters, and that's it. But every one of these people you run into feel like just people. It, it feels like you're watching like a window into real people's life in this community. Like this community ex- act, you know, actually existed, and these pe- because they did. They all felt honest. They all felt real regardless of which character you actually got on screen it, it just felt like people rather than caricatures or or stereotypes or one note as you mentioned or they fit this category of a zombie film they didn't this felt like a community this felt like people it felt like a natural progression of how things would have played out in this area and I think by doing that, it not only gives you weight, you don't want to see anything bad to happen, even to Lysol. As he mentions, he's an asshole. He's a guy that wants to see the, you know, the way things were burned and start anew and that. But you even feel for him because they make you, thanks to the performance of the actor as well as the way he's written, they make you see where he is coming from. And in real world, if you understand at all history of the U.S. and colonialism, you can understand where he's actually coming from. And there's a part of you that doesn't exactly blame him for the way he feels, <laughs> you know, it, it, but he's the heel. You're, he's the guy that that throws things asunder. But at the same time, you also feel for I actually felt for bad for him, how they do him at the end, even for how awful he was at the very end. I did feel kind of bad of how he's, he's done in. Um, right. 
Well, it's not like the characters that how he met his demise, like they wanted to do that to him. They were left with no choice after all of the things that he did and the people that he sacrificed in the, at the end of the day, in order to make amends for what had happened, his family had to sacrifice him. It's just, yeah, is the way it was, man. Let's, let's talk about that ending. That ending of this movie where Joseph and Charlie, which are Joseph is uh, Lysol's brother. The other half after Lysol has double crossed him and stabbed him in the back and him and his pregnant girlfriend. (laughs) Yep. Escape this zombie horde that has taken over the, the compound due to Lysol opening it up. The mother, Charlie and Joseph are on a boat. We knew all movie long that there was a possibility that something could be very wrong with this baby due to the fact that Joseph was bitten in the beginning of the movie. None of the white people have survived with any of that blood inside of them. So Charlie is just completely beside herself that, well, what is it? What, what will happen? Will this baby eat through my stomach? What will will I turn into a zombie due to this baby? Will the baby be a zombie? What will it be? And man, if the ending of this movie and I don't want to give it away, man, did that stop my heart in the fucking dirt. That the end of this movie, the way that I thought, you know, because the whole last act of this movie plays out the way you expect most zombie movies to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it does. It takes there, it does take it, that turn, yeah. Yeah, it's a siege film at the end where all of a sudden everything's overrun and they just have to try and escape and survive. And then the end, only a couple people paddle their ass away, right? The water is always the way to go. You always got to get on a boat. You got to be going somewhere, right? The only thing that was different in this one, you all of a sudden didn't didn't hear, and you didn't hear I'm sorry. I showed I showed that remake of Dawn of the Dead to or like the ending to yeah. Amy. And when that when that fucking uh, disturbed gimmick comes on at the end, <laughs> man, if that isn't the most fucking cringy, hilarious thing you ever saw in your home. okay. Anyways, this movie ends on such a downer note and such like the metaphor coming to realization in such a hard way that who. Whew. I couldn't have thought of a, a, a more perfect way for this movie to end. Really, this goddamn Mark, this movie fucking ruined my heart afterward. I was that's how far I was in. That's how far mm-hmm. I was in. And I'm glad we had to take like a half hour break from watching the movie until you and I sat and discussed because I was like, man, I don't know if I can talk right now. That that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah, don't watch this back to back with the mist. Let's put it that way, okay? <laughs> don't do a double feature of Blood Quantum and the Mist because by the end you're gonna just you're gonna want to just go out in the snow and and sit on your cold freezing porch and <laughs> not think and just about let it. the world consume you. <laughs> Let the entire let, let world nature consume you. Just, just end it all. And let nature consume you. Uh, what just did you? How did you feel about the end of this, Mark? 
it was brutal. It was one of those where I didn't want it to go there, but yet I did. I was worried because I was pulling for the characters too. I'm like, well, maybe they're going to go this angle. I mean, you know, blood mixture. I, I thought they were going to play me play that angle because we know with pregnant, you know, uh, women, uh, well, I know from person not being pregnant, but my wife, two kids, you know, the blood, the whole idea of blood, they, they, they share the same blood or whatnot. It gets, but you're like, maybe they'll play an angle like that, but they don't in a good way. I mean, it was tough in many ways. And, and the statement it was also making was very interesting, uh, you know, because uh, of just how it played out, the statement made at the end at that kind of period <laughs> to the entire paragraph that they were trying to convey throughout the film. That's kind of like the final boom. <laughs> you yep. know, that was just, that was one of those things where it's like, who. I didn't want it to because of the characters involved and what happened. But at the same time, I'm glad it did because if it didn't do that, I think it would have taken away from some of the film. It had, it had to, to go. stay the course. Yeah. It had, it had to, to stay, stay the course. course. There are, there are moments of this movie that all of a sudden break into animated form. It's oh, almost, they're almost great. like chapter, cha- chapter breaks at, at points, but every time it breaks into an animated section it was making uh it was trying to speak towards the metaphor of what was going on in the movie mm-hmm. and trying to get to that subtext and ever and if they had belied that to make some totally wishy-washy happy ending man talk about cutting yourself off at the knees yeah. this movie would have failed completely but i i really feel that this movie is much more than just some straight exploitation gimmick and the fact that it it took what it was speaking towards all the way mm-hmm. wow powerful extremely powerful stuff now mark at the end of the day, what were what were your overall thoughts of the movie? Did you end up enjoying this thing, or what did you think of this? See, when you say you enjoy a film like this, this is what the stigma is for horror fans, because they're like, oh, you enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed the film. It, it was brutal to watch. Uh, I enjoyed it because of the subtext of what they were stating. Um, I've seen a few not like this film but films that are told from a specific perspective because they were directed and written by uh, individuals who are should be the ones writing films like this (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's not some old white guy some white guy who thinks this you know i've seen some female-led horror that you could tell it was written by a female and directed by a female because dialogue and characters just felt far more natural and real and honest than written by some crusty old dude in a basement, you know, based on stereotypes and nonsense thinking this is how that person would act or interact in this situations. Oh, they would do this when they're not that person. So they can't honestly say, Oh yeah, they would do that. (laughs) You know? So I've seen a few films like that. And I always enjoy them more because they are, there's, there's honesty to them. They aren't, 
I've used the word many times, but I think it's fitting, especially with zombie films, caricatures, tropes, they aren't, they feel real. And at the end of the day, I enjoyed this film. Even, you know, you got the exploitation parts, which are over the top gore. But when you get to the characters and what was going on and the environment, like you said, the atmosphere all felt grounded very much. The, these felt, it, it felt like you could see this happening. You know, there's some zombie films or horror films in general where you're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure. But here, these characters felt real. You felt emotion. Actions that happened that involved a serious consequence had weight to them. It wasn't, oh, this person made a sacrifice. Let's move on. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? You've seen yep. that in some films to where a major character stays back so the rest of the group can get away. And everybody goes, oh, you get one scene where everybody looks pensive. And then they move on like nothing, yep. you, you know, like, ah, oh, you know, and in here, consequences have weight. Uh, I mean, actions and decisions have weight. They have consequences and the consequences stay with you. And you don't just pass that off to go to the next gimmick. You explore that it, it, it gets taken with you. And that's what I really loved about this film. It's just a well put together film making some great statements and yeah it's not just a zombie film which i like oh it absolutely this movie more than anything is about the metaphor mm -hmm. this is one of those movies so if that's something that bothers you that you have something that isn't necessarily just like a very straight to the point plot i can't i i want to recommend this i'm i'm beside myself because yeah i think the zombie element element of this movie kind of took me out of it a little bit mm -hmm. only from the fact that I'm just so tired of that shit but the yeah. but the voice behind this is so strong mm -hmm. that this movie I, I do feel needs to be seen I think I would give this a huge thumbs up one of my highest recommendations for a horror movie that we've watched in quite some time and uh, this movie made me feel which mm -hmm is one of my biggest criteria for is it a good movie did this movie move me did it make mm -hmm. me feel something did it make me did it pull me in was i invested in the characters was i invested in the plight did i did it have something for me more for me to sit and chew on and this movie's got it all it's got great acting great cinematography great craft soundtrack is so engrossing that it just pulls you right in and such an amazingly smart script. Mm -hmm. Wow. Just unbelievable. So blood quantum, huge thumbs up. I'm very happy and glad that we sat and watched this movie. I would recommend it to almost anybody, to be honest, other than people. If you don't like extreme gore, probably don't watch this one. If you don't like feeling like, man, Oh, I think I'm going to go turn on a shower, sit down in, in it and cry while I'm in the shower. Probably don't watch this one either. This one's pretty heavy one. Um, I think some people are probably saying, Derek, you're overstating this way too much. But I don't watch these kinds of movies anymore. So maybe this just affected me more because I'm not constantly watching exploitation and horror movies as much as I used to. 
Well, I wasn't as moved, I will say, as you. I was very moved and surprised, and it's solid. And it's it, this is what I like seeing. These are the types of film, horror films I like seeing. Not a lot of, uh, but I do like when these films like this are are come out and they're handled with care and as you said smart scripts and just handled appropriately as they should by the people who should be telling the story and i i hope it motivates more folks to get out and do horror films and write them from their perspective so they Mm -hmm. can have their voice out because um it, it it needs to be you know to the point we needed to get to the point to where it's no longer a, a, a thing. You know, it's just like female directors. They talk about female directors in horror. And it'd be great to get to a point to where it doesn't matter who it is that is writing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That that should be a headline. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but it is because there's aren't a lot of those voices telling their stories or getting a chance to and i hope blood quantum does that because i think there's a lot more interesting stories things to make you think a lot of talent out there that deserves to have their voice be heard that still isn't because of the way just the film system is currently still today um you know Uh, you know getting past the complacency that we, we have with whitewashed cinema having these voices is is incredibly important well that's the thing with blood quantum i'm guarantee you there's a group of people out here who will watch this and get uncomfortable and disturbed and say oh my oh yeah you know if that is your reaction to a film like blood quantum you need to sit down and look at why (laughs) because you know it, it Films like this are meant to spark conversation and thought and maybe give you a different perspective on something that you've been totally educated. And yeah, I'm, I know I'm going there. I don't care. Uh, Educated a certain way, handled a certain way within your bubble of reality when that's not what reality really is. And you get a film like blood quantum that opens your eyes to the rest of the world that's outside of your bubble. And if that makes you upset, if the film makes you angry or upset, oh, why are they saying that? You shouldn't be asking, you know, why are they saying that? You should be asking, why is this making me feel like this? With them making that statement, you feel attacked or whatnot. Well, you start to explore things. Educate yourself. yourself. Educate yourself. Educate you. Why... Is this voice saying this in this film? Why is the filmmaker delivering this message in this film, especially this way, and what they're saying? And look at where that's coming from. And, and you know, for me, I, I like films like this, and I, I can't recommend it enough either. But those who are looking for just straight zombie film, uh, you're probably going to be a bit disappointed outside of just waiting for the next gore gimmick, which also was done really well. Um, plentiful. Practi- plentiful, plentiful in this movie. Plentiful practical effects in here were handled very well and looked, I mean, oh, the one scene we were talking about where the lady was devouring her baby. Yes, we're, we're still in spoiler land here, folks. 
uh, she gets out there. The sheriff has to has to knock her down to subdue her, and he he he, he uh, pistol whips her with the butt end of a, a, a shotgun and smashes her face. And they're driving away. There's steam coming off the off the wound. It's like you've got those wonderful craft elements in there. And yeah, it's a complete package movie that we really need more of out there. Not not comp- like every single film, but I do think we need more of this out here because, uh, yeah, it'll surprise you and give you a different perspective. So yeah, I, I thumbs up big time. I'm glad we watched this one. I'm glad I finally got around to it. Yeah. 
This is Astro Radio Z and we love talking about movies with you. If you are looking for more episodes, and want to become part of the show, go to patreon.com, forward slash, Astro Radio Z and become a monthly subscriber to have access to over 100 plus bonus episodes of content, jump in. Make Astro Radio Z yours and become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com, forward slash, Astro Radio Z. And June ain't like perfume Deep in the heart of Jersey But it's my state, I think it's great Deep in the heart of Jersey Deep in the heart of Jersey Deep in the heart of Jersey Yippee-yay-yay Hey everybody, Vaughn here for yet another Pink Theater. This time we are still kind of going through the Rope Hell films with 1983's Beauty and Rope Hell. There's no trailer for this film, so we're just going to go right into it. Um, this was directed by Genji Nakamura, um, who, if I can figure out what the hell he's done. <laughs> Not many films. Actually, a lot of films. 103, 108 films. He worked up until 2004. Um, and the films that we kind of most know for are Captured for Sex, Sexual Abuse, Go for Broke, Meow Meow Girl, Beautiful Mystery, Weekend Shuffle. Um, if you know any of these kind of films, um, the film stars Nakai Takamura and Kazuhiro Yamuji. Nailed it. Um, as our kind of two um, protagonists. Makai Takanora plays Mitsuko, who is a recently wedded woman whose husband has kind of been drafted to the war. Um, and uh, Kazio plays Kazo, who is her local mailman, becomes obsessed with her. He kidnaps her one day and puts her in, he puts her in his attic. Um, unlike other kind of like the last one we talked about, where, you know, kidnapping and it automatically started with him kind of just sexually abusing her. Um, this film is much more, um, less interested in that, really. Um, he is more obsessed with the, with her beauty and her body, um, but doesn't automatically rape her at first, right? He just kind of admires and kind of ogles her. And she just wants to leave. <laughs> That's all she wants to do is just escape. Um, and this is the difference between most of these films is that when the woman is kind of brought into the situation, they're they're tied down or accosted or kind of made to be forced into this place. But with our, you know, our, our um, 
a female protagonist in this film, she is constantly trying to make a way out and try to escape as best she can. Um, you know, because he kind of goes off and does his thing and, like, locks her in the bait in the attic. So she breaks a mirror first and sees two boys walking past the house. And this is um, pre-World War II Japan. So we're not in modern time, but we are not in kind of feudal Japan. Right? So men are getting drafted or kind of enlisting. So it's very low male populace. Um, the men who are coming back are kind of in, are soldiers from other areas who are, um, they're still brothels and still kind of prostitution rampant because um, it's probably one of the biggest things that women can do to make money, um, especially the women who aren't married and or aren't assainable uh, that way. Um, but pretty much what happens with this film is that she tries to escape he doesn't particularly like it. Doesn't get mad at her. He's kind of a very meek individual. Um, and the thing is, a couple of reviews I read about this film, they kind of just put it as a paint-by-numbers type of film, which I guess I can kind of agree with, but I like the unique... And the other thing with, with the reviews that I read was that, oh, it just it becomes... She becomes subservient with him, and it's like, wait, are you reading the same book, movie? Watching the same movie as I am? Because she clearly tries to escape multiple times. And it just seems like he pops up. He comes home right around you when she's trying to leave. Like there's a scene where she is. She needs to go to the bathroom, and he he sits there and pulls a pot out and tries to force her to do that. And then she kind of she utterly refuses and says, "No one pees in, in, in pots anymore. You have a bathroom. You have a urinal." And then he goes outside to use the outdoor potty. She tries to run away, but she's been tied up. Like her hands have been tied, and he's carrying. He's he's holding the end of the string, and she can't get far. Um, but he doesn't try to abuse her. He doesn't attack. He doesn't. He doesn't attack her. He doesn't hit her. He kind of keeps himself at distance, right? He does end up raping her at one point, um, because he just can't deal with it anymore. He also has a girlfriend who works in the brothel, um, and he seems to become as he gets more obsessed with with Makaya uh, Tazaka's character. He goes more and more distance with his girlfriend. Um, and there's a scene with her where he is in her room with her and a crazed um, soldier comes in and kind of kicks him out and then ties his his girlfriend up pretty roughly. Uh, I mean, pretty severely and pretty roughly and then uses her like a human parachute and hangs her outside the, the brothel and is lifting and lowering and raising her up. Um, and as she is not particularly finding this at all erotic or um, getting off on it, he's getting off on it because of the sadism. Um, but she is not particularly in love with it. And and as her boyfriend walks out and leaves her as she's being hung outside the building like a bell, um, she's just screaming at him to come back and help her. Um, and then there's a couple of scenes later where she pops up and she notices that he's been distant but he just doesn't talk to her he's kind of shut her shut her out but she doesn't realize this um and she even gives him head in the middle of a, like a clearing um and she thinks that everything's copacetic and fine but he's clearly moved moved on i guess you can say um it has some very interesting moments there's a scene with a cop um that has um that knows that she's here and kind of accosts him and thinks that he's going to get what he wants, which is to have sex with her. And he kills him as a retaliation um, because the only man that she feels is going to have her is him. 
um, you find out, and a couple of reviews are like, oh, after you find out that his, this is, a, I guess, a spoiler if you're going to see this film. It's on X Video and a couple other places online with subtitles. So you can watch it that way. I watched it on my Plex, so I didn't have to worry about going to pornographic websites to watch it. Um, but like they, he, he starts to have try to rape her and accost her and assaults her, and our our male protagonist comes in and fights with him and wraps a rope around his throat. And as he's choking him, he pushes him down the stairs, and he, you know, he pretty much hangs he hangs him to death. Um, you find out a little after that that her husband has died in the in the war um and then after she finds out her husband has died she becomes not complicit um but she because the only thing she had to live for was her husband and being his wife you know the kind of times of a uh, of the times that we uh fuck it. you know the times that we're working in you know, uh, women in patriarchy and, and uh, um, especially in Japan, the idea of like a woman having an own independence is kind of something that's just very fairly new in the last 30 years. Um, so her kind of idea, her kind of uh, understanding is that like, you know, she only has one thing and that's being this man's wife and doing what he you know needs to make a family and a happy home. Um, and when he dies, she feels like she has died as well. And she even says to him, like, I'm dead now. You know, you most like, you can just kind of throw me in the trash. And she doesn't become complicit and kind of, you know, dependent on him. She just kind of becomes a husk of a, humor, of a former human. Um, just kind of gives into whatever he wants. So when they do actually, after she's already been raped, she kind of gives into his needs and wants and kind of just lets him have sex with her. And she kind of enjoys it because she has no other way to kind of, you know, do anything with her life. And like, what's another thing she can do is just become a prostitute or one like that. Um, it does have a really cool ending. I think like many of these films, it has a kind of, the protagonist dies in a, in a weird kind of like shocker twist at the very end. Um, but I, I really enjoyed this one compared to the last film, which I was kind of really on the fence about because of how gross and kind of how malicious it was and nasty. Um, this film is much more kind of subdued. Um, and it's kind of weird that a film like this would be made in the early 80s because a lot of the um, pink genre, as it was kind of on its on the last legs, was really pushing the envelope on what they can get away with with the censors. Um, and this one does too, especially with the rope scenes. There's a couple of scenes with women tied up with in rope bondage with their genitals just being covered with a bondage of rope. You know, it's 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 very and like there are sex scenes where we where the camera sits on those particular areas, almost kind of like taunting the censors to kind of take it. And there are there is a scene actually in the film in the brothel where they are clearly just showing sex or simulated sex and they have to fog it at some point. And it's like, wow, okay, I I didn't expect that at all, because most of these films are very kind of good at kind of hiding um, genitals genit- and pubic hair because it's a no-no in Japanese society. Um, but you have a clear fog scene in, in the film. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it's called Beauty in Rope Hell. It's from 83. Um, and I think you should really check it out. All right. 
If you'd like to listen to anything else I've done, you can always check the, the web for Motion Picture Massacre. Thank Derek Carey again for letting me do this. All right, before I shit myself, goodbye. And that, everybody, is another episode of Astro Radio Z. Thank you for joining us. And if you want to get more out of Astro Radio Z and hear more, go over to patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z. And every month you will get bonus episodes of our podcast, Worst Movies Ever, where you, the listener and subscriber, put movies onto a list that you feel are the worst movies you've ever seen. And I watch them one by one, and we determine once and for all if these movies are the worst movies ever made. But until then, please take care of yourself, stay healthy, and please live your best life. Be happy. I'll talk to you soon.